as I sat with this text this week, excuse me, all I could think of was Valentine's Day, February 14th, 2018 at 2.19 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, when 19-year-old Nicholas Cruz arrived at his old high school, Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, after taking an Uber, and he entered carrying an AR-15 semi-automatic assault rifle, extra magazines of ammo. He pulled the fire alarm, and as kids exited into the hallway, he began his massacre. Seventeen people killed, three staff members, 14 high school students, 16 wounded or injured. It's heavy. It's hard. Perhaps it's not what we wanted to talk about this morning, but my mind kept going there this week. It makes us uncomfortable. It's been a few weeks. The news cycles moved on to tweets and nuclear threats and the Oscars. When we call it back up, it's only to give fodder for that back and forth, talking past each other, debate about guns. It's heavy. It's hard. And maybe it's not what we wanted to talk about this morning, but it should make us uncomfortable. Because here we are, it's now the third Sunday of Lent. We're in the middle of this penitent season, a season of preparation for Holy Week, for Easter. We are preparing for new life, for resurrection. And yet this season of Lent began with a reminder that we're going to die. Remember you are dust, and to dust you will return, we said right here on Ash Wednesday. But we didn't need ashes this year. We saw the reminder live on TV, the Ash Wednesday massacre. Just hours before we walked into this church, Nicholas Cruz walked into that school with a high-powered, flesh-ripping, organ-exploding weapon that you can legally buy for $700 and accessorize at the Bass Pro Shop in Altoona. We didn't need ashes this year. And it should make us uncomfortable, believe it or not, Lent is supposed to make us uncomfortable. It's a season that causes us to confess, to open our lives before Christ, to lay bare those idols, those things that pull us away from this journey we are on towards Christ. The things in our life, the things in our world that take us from this path to life, the journey of death. Before we can live again, we must, we must confront the death in which we live. In case we are under any illusions, this Jesus story, well, it's not a comfortable story. Did you hear this text this morning? Now, last week we were in John 12, several chapters ago, but it's only been a couple of days in Jesus's life. Since John 12, Jesus and his disciples have been in an upper room. He washed their feet. You are never to wash my feet, Peter said to him, humiliated that his master would scrub the scum from the soles of his feet. Unless I wash you, Jesus said, you will have no share in me. And Simon Peter replies to him, Lord, not my feet, but my, not just my feet, but my hands, my head, wash me all over. And then they had this meal together. And Jesus says in the midst of the meal, very truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. Who, who is it? Peter asks. Well, it is the one to whom I give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. And then Jesus takes the bread and he, and he breaks it. And he tears off this piece, dips it in the wine, and ha hands it to Judas. What you must do 
do quickly, he says to Judas, and Judas leaves the meal. And then Jesus starts preaching for about three and a half chapters. He starts preaching. And the central point is this. I give you a new commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. And it is by this, by this love, that they will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Over and over again, he says, love one another. Do not let your hearts be troubled, he continues. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be there also. And then that's when Peter interrupts this sermon. Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answers, where I'm going, you cannot follow me, but you will follow afterwards. And Peter says, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus says, will you? Will you lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And then Jesus keeps preaching. If you love me, he says again, keep my commandments. Abide in me and I will abide in you. Abide in my love. This is my commandment. That you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down one's lives for their friends. When Jesus finishes, he looks up and he begins to pray to the father. I ask not only on behalf of these, he prays, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. He's talking about us, that they may be one just as the father and I, the father As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. May they be one. And then, well, then it's chapter 18, this dark chapter we read together. After Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with the disciples. And we know what happens. Judas betrays him. We've been predicting this would happen for chapters now. And he leads the authorities right to Jesus and gives them dirt on Jesus that they can use against him. And Jesus just takes it. He allows it to happen. He could have stopped it, but he didn't. And Peter can't believe what is happening. Peter, who said, don't wash me. Peter, who said, I will lay down my life. For you, he can't believe it. Jesus is just letting them take him. And Peter reaches for his sword and he cuts off the ear of a slave named Malchus. It was intended as a warning strike. Step back from my Jesus. He thought Jesus would back him up. The other disciples would pull their swords and they'd all go to battle this massacre against these men intent on murder. But instead of fighting, Jesus rebukes Peter. Peter, who was only trying to defend them. Peter, whose heart was in the right place, he rebukes him and then puts the slave's ear back on his head. And they arrest Jesus. And they bind him. And his trial begins. They slap him. And Peter hides outside in the courtyard. He's despondent. What is happening? He can barely believe it. This is not what he signed up for. He would have killed for Jesus, and now they're going to kill Jesus. How could this happen to him? How could Jesus let this happen to him? Aren't you also his disciples, someone asks? And Peter says, I am not. One, 
You are also, you are not also one of his disciples, are you? Someone else says, I am not. Two. Then one of the slaves of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you tonight in the garden with him? And Peter denies it. Three. And at that moment, the cock crowed. How could he deny his master? How could he turn his back on Jesus? Judas, well, his heart was hard. We've expected this of Jesus. But Peter, Peter was always there. Peter always stood up confidently. Peter, who drank that water made into wine. Peter, who saw the blind man who can now see. Peter, who picked up baskets and baskets and baskets of leftover bread and fish. Peter, who just had a meal with Lazarus. Lazarus, just days after he had been dead. Peter, who said, I will deny you. If Peter could deny, Peter, who said, I will die for you. And if he could deny Jesus, what about us? This is my commandment. Jesus said that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's lives for one's friends. But that night was no time for love. That night was no time for resistance. That that night was time for resistance. You've been betrayed, Jesus, by one of your own. Do something. Don't love them. Fight back. Peter rebukes Peter's violence. He puts the ear back on Malchus. And he lets them take him and kill him. He willingly lays down his life for his friends. And then he uses one of his final breaths to call out to God, asking God to forgive his enemies, those who did this to him. And this should make us deeply uncomfortable because love should make us uncomfortable. Jesus makes us uncomfortable. Standing here in the dust and the ashes of our culture of violence that we have created, we should be uncomfortable with our obsession with guns, with our rights, with our fear of others, our need to win every debate at any cost. Jesus preaches, beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Abide in me. Abide in my love. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then, well, then Jesus goes out and he lives his own sermon. He lays down his life for his friends, for his enemies, for the world. And it's not what we expected. This is not where we thought we were headed. But this is Jesus. This is his journey. And Jesus offers us this invitation To follow him. Are you one of his disciples? It's an invitation to a journey. A journey that leads to healing. Abide in my love, Jesus says. Live here. Lay down this culture of hate and violence. And try this on. Abide in this. Try my love. Give it a chance. A chance to save you. And this is the invitation. This is Jesus. Uncomfortable or not, this is our Lord. It's not what we expected. Will we deny Jesus? Or will we lay down whatever is in the way 
and abide in his love.